latest episode of BAM That's Boris and Matt Weekly, the show where we chat some sports, the show where we chat some entertainment, and then at the end, we bring it all together to chat some sports entertainment, better known as wrestling. We're your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour. How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. We hope you're doing better than Cody Rhodes or Nazem Kadri. We hope you're healthy and happy out there. Uh, Boris, we can't dilly-dally too much on this year episode, but buddy, how is the west coast of this fine nation of Canada? How's British Columbia, buddy? It's doing well. It's looking good. I'm enjoying it a lot. Like, you know, I, I, I love it here. I've been here only for work. Uh, this is the first time that I actually get to really enjoy long period of time of just like exploring and doing doing that that fun stuff and and i'm having a blast really relaxing i did end up being able to take off the entire week from work so that's to me that's super huge um you know i'm seeing stuff explode and i'm like they can handle it uh, <laughs> but yeah so i've been doing a lot of walking and i need it just because i've been drinking a lot of beers like you know just just <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm not going to, like, you know, gain weight or, or, or feel like a piece of crap after. So I'm trying to walk a lot. Um, I don't remember if I told you on the show or offline or who, who I was talking to, but I did roll my ankle last week slightly. Nothing major, but with all the walking that I've been doing, it's just like, oh, my Lord. And it's, it's an Achilles injury that I've had for years, since about 20... 19 the end of 2019 i remember it perfectly i was literally walking downstairs and just heard my achilles just go so when my ankle gets weak i always end up hurting my achilles a little bit but yeah i'm just you know being careful relaxing walking chilling watching tv you know what's cool i know i've said this a couple times but it's just being able to watch sports and tv in general early like right now you know it's it's 654 on the east coast in Toronto, um, I, I, you know, it's 3.54 here, and Jay's game's going to start in an hour. It's a little later than normal because they're in Kansas. But being able to watch wrestling, being able to watch sports, and it ending, and you can still do something. I love that. Like last night, wrapped up the after party, wrapped up even the posting and everything, and I still had time to do stuff. Yeah, man, that's amazing. That's a benefit of the West Coast for sure. It's a, yeah, well, I could see myself living in the West Coast. I, I've never been, honestly, to do like Portland or the States or like California, anywhere, uh, British Columbia. I've never been West. But, uh, man, I, get, I, I I love the lifestyle on paper. You know what I mean? It seems you, you seem happy. You seem healthy, Boris. It's nice to see you, buddy. Glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, man. It's just been, like I said, Last week on the show, I'm just using this time like just for reflection on personal life, professional life, and everything in between. And I'm trying to use it for that. Uh, so, you know, I wish I was staying longer, but uh, you know, ten days is good. I have just have I'm just such I'm just so busy with so much, whether it be podcasting or work or real life or whatever. Um, you know, it's just busy. But uh, you know what's funny? Um, should I say it on this show? Ah, whatever. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> so. I've been away for what since 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 you know what's funny they're showing the whole and talking about Cody Rhodes on Tim and Friends right now. Oh wow, on Tim and Friends, that's Tim what I Friends. mean, man. It's getting it's getting some mainstream publicity. I, I I heard they talked about it on a couple like mainstream places. I know uh, Bill Simmons talks about wrestling all the time, but he's brought it up and stuff. And, and the Ringer's been talking about it nonstop. So yeah, it's on their last call right now. They showed the picture of him taking off his jacket. Uh, Unreal. Yeah, and 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 it's like. 
the, basically the question that they're raising right now, and then I have no audio. It just I can see the, what's what the, what they're posing is. What's the worst sports injury you've ever played through? So before I tell you my oh. fun story, that's a good question for you, Matt. What's the worst sports injury you've ever played through? Oh, that's interesting. I've uh, I am lucky. Knock on all of the wood. I've never broken a bone. I've never really done anything too bad sports wise. And I've only I've only really played organized sports like a little bit, like in high school and stuff. I've never been on really many club teams. So I don't think I really have an answer. I'm lucky with the injuries and you know what I mean? I just basically play like road hockey and throw the football around or kick the soccer ball around with my friends at this point. So Yeah. What when about yourself? Young, when oh, there's there's two significant ones. One for sure concussion. Uh, I was I was playing soccer. I was in defense, and the other teams uh, forward or for whatever reason decided to slide tackle me, and I just couldn't get out of the way. Our legs are caught up, and I fell. I was in the air, and he still <laughs> caught like chipped my legs. So I kind of did this flip, and fell head first, uh, right on the ground, and I kept playing. And I I like I knew I shouldn't have played, and it was well, but it was one of the like it was I was in high school, right early. Late ninety, late ninety nine, early two thousand. So like, head injuries were a thing, but it was it was like you know brush yourself off and go play right. But looking back, yeah, yeah. yeah I do remember like wanting to throw up when the game was over, just not feeling well. Um, oh, no. So yeah, I, so one hundred percent, I played through that concussion. But probably the worst injury was around the same time. It was a baseball game, super important baseball game. I played baseball like at a relatively high level for the age and. Um, it was like uh, it, was, it was it was city by city. It was representing your city. Uh, so, you know, I was part of the Mississauga team and we were facing another Mississauga team. And, it, you know, it, this team, they were full of jackasses. And I remember I was a good hitter. So I remember first time up the plate, smashed the ball. I think I got a couple of RBIs. Don't remember how exactly how many. Ended up in second. Um, and then the next time I went up, uh, I remember that I got hit with a hit by pitch. Now, later on in the game, for whatever reason, I got smashed in a collision at home because they didn't care about, again, head injuries, right? It wasn't right, a thing right. back then. So and there you're was the a catcher, too. And to I'm the reiterate. catcher. Correct. Yeah. I'm the catcher. I need to stress that. I was the catcher. So got rocked. Whatever, next at bat, I smack the ball hard, and I'm running to first. And I could only make it to first because it was, like, so hard hit that the fielder already had it by the time, right, that I'm making okay. it to first. Anyways, I get the sign to steal. I steal second, but on the way. Boris with the foot speed. Yeah, well, on the way, I did I did a slide. I don't know how I slid, but I ended up feeling this, like, sharp thunder. It felt like thunder right in my thigh and hamstring. I'm like, fuck, what the hell is this? Okay. You, Kept oh, you playing. never want the thunder thigh, Boris. You never exactly. want the thunder thigh. Kept playing, and uh, I, I couldn't catch anymore. Like, I was basically catching on one knee at this point. And then my next time up, I remember, because I was, like, visibly limping at this point. Don't know why I wasn't taken out of the game. Visibly limping, in pain, going to bat. And I remember hearing the parents of the other team basically saying, he's injured, he's injured, easy out. I'm like, motherfuckers. I smack this ball so hard. Dude, but I was so injured, I could barely run. 
I was only able to make it the second. Like 100%, this could have been an inside the park home run if I was at, you know, even 60%. But I'm running at like 20%, 25% (laughs) speed, chugging along. And I remember I even had to slide into second. And when I slid, that was it. I was done. Um, I was basically, that was the last game I played until the final game of the season, of the regular season. Played the playoffs, but uh, and I re-injured myself in the playoffs. But essentially, I uh, ripped my quad uh, pretty good. I almost triple H myself. Yeah, geez, you're a walking infirmary, Boris. All these injuries, buddy. Holy crap. Um, well, <laughs> that's, that's a crazy story, but on the plus side, I feel like the good guys won in the end. Did you win in the end? Yeah, we ended up winning. We ended up winning good. and we beat this team in the playoffs. Uh, so that was like the double F you to that team. Nice. So you were officially Kings of, uh, Kings of the saga, Kings yep. of the, the nine Oh five. Good. For Pretty you, much. Buddy. Pretty much. But yeah. So yeah. So going back to what I was saying, and I know we have a lot to cover and I'm, I'm like one hour max, which I know we'll, we'll, we'll be able to do. <laughs> now let's talk about my baseball career for 20 minutes off the start. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about my personal life. So I'm here in Vancouver and it, I don't know whether it's people, someone in particular just like misses me or whatever. But this person has like barely responded to messages. And I was just like, Every time I'm away, you do this. And it's like, you could, if you're going to miss me, say something, but don't ignore me because one day I'm going to be in a bad mood. I'm going to get pissed off about you ignoring me. Uh, but uh, whatever, it is what it is, right? People show feelings in funny ways. Yeah, man. I wouldn't worry about it too oh, much, man. It's, you more, know, but, it's uh, more hearty, har, yeah. har. I feel you, brother. But uh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, the yeah the uh, the world works in mysterious ways. People do their own thing, but yeah, don't sweat it too much, man. You're in beautiful Vancouver. Who think oh. of all the? Uh, oh, know? I'm <laughs> or I'm or British fine. Columbia. This not, is not perfectly Vancouver, fine. Right? This is uh, yeah. this is just uh, something that, that that came across my mind while we were talking. Yeah, I feel you. Anyways, That's we have tons to chat about. We're gonna chat about some quick sports. Uh, we're gonna focus on Nazem Kadri. He won't be coming back to the playoffs but not because of suspension, womp womp. And then we're going to be chatting. Um, what else are we going to be chatting about, Matt, on the sports side? So, so we, can mention, we can mention the NBA Finals as well. Let's just start with the NBA Finals while we're here, Boris, and just quickly talk Warriors and Celtics. They are tied one game apiece. First game was looking like Golden State would win, but Celtics raised a huge comeback in the fourth quarter, really showed up, and uh, it was looking like all the momentum was on Boston side and then in game two Golden State really handled them a tremendous performance by Draymond Green and it's uh it's a brand new series yeah Golden State became Golden State right they woke up uh it's it's this is typical Golden State right like they're a really good and talented team like I said it's not just Steph Curry who can step up they have like four or five legitimate superstars who can lead any team um you know and together they're just that much better but it doesn't surprise me that they they just absolutely dominated last night's game yeah absolutely and again we need to highlight Draymond Green was just he he almost got thrown out a couple times he was he was a madman out there Looking like, uh, I don't even know, like a young Sammy Callahan swinging baseball bats for us. The thing is, though, he did uh, get a couple fouls that probably were fouls because of reputation, not because they were, uh, you know, because of merit or or deserved. I I, I can see that for sure. But he 
you get these reputations for a reason. And exactly. I, th- I think, my friend, that's a pretty good segue. We'll talk more in depth about the NBA uh, finals next week. That's a good segue to someone who's got possibly the worst reputation, maybe second worst to Tom Wilson in the entire NHL, and that's Nazem Kadri, who has been a good boy so far in the playoffs, has been an incredible asset for the Colorado Avalanche, and now it looks like he's getting thumb surgery and will be out for the remainder of the playoffs. A devastating blow, potentially, to Colorado Stanley Cup hopes. 100%. Yeah, this one really sucks just because, you know, we were making, I think everyone that talks about hockey and any even among circle of friends had the joke about Nazem Kadri getting suspended and him missing time in the playoffs, yada, 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 yada. But this sucks. You know, he went through uh, he went through hell and back against St. Louis. Right. The whole uh, racist remark stuff. And then, you know, the next game yeah. scoring the hat trick being just an instrumental part of winning that series going into the West finals and just you know, being a key part again, uh, you know, not the focal point, but but, you know, in in, in being the, the kind of the, the, the passer, um, you know, a lot of focus is put on him to open up the, the ice to other guys so that they can get in and score. You know, Edmonton just has no solution to this. So it really sucks that not because he's being kicked off because of he, he was a bad boy, but because of injury. Right. It just really, really sucks. And it's, you know. My question to you is, is is the one game to Kane worth it? Well, I mean, it seems like a slap on the wrist to Kane. Like it doesn't because a general rule of thumb, and it's not like one to one all the time, but a general rule of thumb in hockey is that you miss a a, a chunk of time on a suspension similar to the chunk of time that the injury, that the injured party will miss. You know what I mean? So the fact that, Kadri's out for the playoffs. You'd think that they would kick Kane out for at least the series, but a one-game suspension might be the end of the series because Colorado's up three nothing and they're pissed off, and they could very, very well sweep the Edmonton yep. Oilers. That game's happening later. Well, it's happening shortly, right? Uh, Edmonton just has no solution. Game three was so pivotal for Edmonton to win on Saturday. They were up. They were looking good. But Colorado's Colorado. Colorado is playing to, finally playing to their potential. Yeah, certainly. And yeah, the, the, uh, more than uh, Nazem Kadri's offense, which has been on point, man. It's Nazem Kadri's defense that yes. Colorado is going to miss going forward. And maybe Edmonton squeaks one or two out again. You'll probably yeah. know if that series is over by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, but anyway. I just wanted to shout out Nazem Kadri, who's had an incredible playoff, and it's just such a tough beat for both him and the Colorado Avalanche. You just got to feel for him. Yeah, when I, I really do. I really do. I think he's a super talented player. I think that race has always been an issue with him, uh, you know, in some cities in the NHL. So seeing him just just overcome that and kicking ass, being a good boy, you know, not, not, not letting his reputation and his hot head get the better of him for lack of a better term he it really sucks and i feel bad for him and and i do think that colorado is going to be missing a vital component to their team now vital I, vital like absolutely vital to the point where i'm not going to say that edmonton's going to win the series edmonton might squeak in a game or two which would benefit colorado at this point hugely uh you know but i have to ask you after last night's win with New York, the Rangers taking the win, the Eastern Conference Finals is looking mighty interesting as well. 
Yeah, man, definitely. I'm not ready to back off of the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, like, I'm you not know, like I, I'm people, not backing off. People are writing them off now. People think that yesterday's game was a turnaround of the series, that the Rangers have this. No, I think that Tampa Bay is this good. Look at what I, look at what look at look at the Leaf series, yeah. right? Like that's how good they are. So Tampa Tampa won last night. It's now it's now two one Rangers. The Rangers yeah. won the first two games. Tampa won uh uh Sunday, June fifth game, as it were. So yeah. Anyway, I I think Tampa's just rounding into form, man. I think as good as the Rangers have been, and as good as Shesterkin is, I just think Tampa Bay is kind of a better version of the Rangers. The Rangers are just a very similar team to Tampa Bay. Very deep, outstanding Russian goaltender, but they're just uh, they're still a year or two away. I think this is going to be the big brother sunning the little brother even though little brother got up to two uh, oh in the series i do think tampa will beat the rangers and it's uh, now that Kadri's out man ooh, i think tampa might win the stanley cup again yeah it's for sure looking like that it is uh you know many arguments were could already have been made for tampa or the rangers but tampa's for us to win uh but i you know now it's just whew, you know with Kadri gone it, that's a huge blow to them the Denver that is oh yeah a thousand percent yeah you always call them Denver but uh because of the Broncos but yeah no, no, it's the, where uh, they play right that's true yeah the the Denver Avalanche isn't a bad name I like Denver but Colorado Colorado Avalanche just rolls off the tongue but yeah man all uh all four teams still have a shot even the Oilers because of this injury they all still have a shot don't get it twisted the Oilers have Connor effing mcdavid on their roster i they are eliminated when the fat lady sings and not a second before exactly exactly and it, it's playoff hockey and it's the conference finals let's be realistic it's no one's just gonna lay down and 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 and, and let it go yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. They're fighting for their lives. We have breaking news here on the podcast. Kind of shocking. Boston Bruins fire head coach Bruce Cassidy. That's not surprising, but surprising I'm at su- the same time. I, yeah, I say not surprising yeah. just because if you look at the way that the year went, if you look at the changes, uh, not the way that the year went, sorry, the way that the playoffs went for them and all the talk around, you know, the, the changes coming for Boston. What's yes. the future of Boston? What's the core of Boston going to look like next year? I think they are building and rebuilding from the ground up. Yeah, see, it's shocking because to me, it seems like confirmation that they're blowing it up. Yep. It seems like you're right, Boris. It seems like the rebuild is coming because Bruce Cassidy is an excellent coach and I mean, the Bruins have been very successful over the past X amount of years. Like, go back as long as you want, man. Like, not to not to further rub salt in Toronto's fans' wounds, but everyone in this city knows how good Boston has been for the last decade in the yep. NHL. So this is a shocking, shocking turn of events. And it does seem like it's, it's Boston saying they're going to blow it up. It seems like Patrice Bergeron is going to retire. It seems like they're going to let some people go, trade some people, and rebuild here a little bit in Beantown. Crazy. Well, yeah, it is crazy. And I think we're going to be seeing the same with Pittsburgh and a couple of teams from the West. So I think this offseason is going to be like one to really watch just because I think that a lot of teams are going to be rebuilding. And, I, you know, the NHL is really putting that onus and the focus on the Ute movement. So here we go. <laughs> like, I think... You know, Boston is really going to start that up. The Leafs are already doing it. Boston's going to be doing it. The Kings are doing it. So let's see what 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 other teams uh, rely on the youth. 
Yeah, man. Montreal, the youth movement has begun. It's happening in a lot of places for sure. Interesting time. Going to be a great offseason in the NHL. And we've enjoyed a great playoff in the NHL. So I think that pretty much does it for sports talk. We got a lot of wrestling on the docket. We should plow through here. We do have a lot of wrestling. All right, let's start with last night's Hell in a Cell premium live event. For those of you who haven't listened to the SNME Sunday night's main event after party, do so. It was Matt, myself, Mark Andrada, Brad McKinnon, and uh, Mike McGuire live from the Allstate Arena chatting all things Hell in a Cell. It was a pretty fun show. Uh, you know, it uh, like for me, it was great just because it, it ended so early and I was able to watch uh, some other stuff with my brother after the show. But, you know, go out. Have a listen. Let us know what you thought of the show. But today, I think what we're going to be doing is we're going to quickly going through all the matches. At the very end, we're going to talk about Cody because that seems to be the biggest takeaway. But we'll talk about Cody when the Cody match comes up. But before that, I think we're going to be ranking and rating each match. Matt, we're the young guns. We might as well do our gimmick. <laughs> we have to, Boris. It's got to be. It's got to be. It has to be. Peck tears out of five. I mean, exactly. what are we doing here? What are exactly. we even doing here? Exactly. <laughs> okay. yeah, the, I'm glad it's, we're. <laughs> it's such low hanging fruit. That's the one problem, right? But the thing is, that low hanging fruit, it's still juicy. It's yep. still tasty and nutritious, Boris. So we're going yep. with it. Just like my balls um, in about 30 years, oh, juicy, <laughs> tasty, and low hanging. We are going to be doing <laughs> rating each match out of five peck tears. Uh, we were working PG 13 here. Jesus, Lord this is Almighty. PG-13. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All okay. right. We're going to kick the show off. Uh, well, the show kicked off with. Bianca Belair versus Asuka versus Becky Lynch in a triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship. Matt, I think it's safe to say that this was many people's match of the night. And after this match, a lot of people were left a little worried for the rest of the card. Yes, I think it was accurate to say that. Now, I said that on the after party last night, and I might have to backtrack on my opinion there a little bit. We'll talk about it in the main event. Uh because what we know now is is slightly different than what I thought I was seeing at the time. Anyway, this match, this opening match to this Hell in a Cell show was one of the better pay-per-view openers you're ever, ever going to see. And on, what, nine shows out of ten, this is the best match? 99 shows out of 100? 999 shows out of 1,000? That might be strong. But you know, this is, I, I this is a fabulous match. I I know I don't want to jump the gun too much, but I do think that the main event, if it went off as it was supposed to, would have been a classic also. Interesting. Maybe. Maybe. Man, I really but- do believe we'll get you know what? We'll yeah. get there when we get there. Yes, this was fabulous. I love the storytelling where Bianca was pretty dominant, but she kept getting thrown out of the ring, often by Becky, sometimes by Asuka, and then they would fight it out. So the finish comes with Becky finally getting the upper hand, finally decking Asuka with the manhandle slam, and then Bianca dumps Becky out of the ring for once and arrogantly takes the pinfall one two three i love that finish i love this match four and a quarter peck tears it will be on our list at the end of the year oh yeah 100 percent. honestly i still give the mvp to oscar on this match i think that and here's the thing yeah she ate the pin but there's so many possibilities leaving this match that i'm really excited to see what direction they go in maybe a little overly excited 
you know. But uh, I, I do think that, that that even in the losing effort, Asuka just looked fantastic because she tore it up. She was the MVP. She was involved in so many spots throughout this match that uh, you, you can't not think that she looked stronger after the match than she did before the match. Yeah, exactly. All three, all three competitors, yes. I feel, actually left this match stronger. If you want to be like, Oscar loses too much. Oh, I don't know. Oscar take the pinfall. I'm telling you, you probably didn't watch the match, if that's your opinion. Yeah. I, I think if you actually watch this match, it's it's okay. It was a war, and it didn't hurt anybody. Fabulous, fabulous work. Would have been the best match on the majority of wrestling shows you'll ever watch in your entire life. Yep. All right. The next match was Bobby Lashley versus MVP and Omos in a two-on-one handicap match. Again, this is one, another match that I had low expectations for, but they delivered. Matt. Yeah, I think they did okay. Like Bobby Lashley versus MVP was good, intelligent, hard-hitting, uh, strong style, if you will. Maybe wrestling. Maybe that's not quite fair. It wasn't like. NJPW strong style. It was WWE strong style, but they were hitting each other hard. It was believable. Bobby Lashley versus Omos was shit. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. How many peck tears would you give this bad boy? <laughs> to me, this is like it was well below average when it was Lashley versus Omos and slightly above average when it was Lashley versus MVP. So we'll split it right down the middle, right on that Mendoza line. Two and a half peck tears out of five, 50%. Yep. All right, we are going to move on, and the next match was Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens. I don't like this Ezekiel character. I don't get it. I feel bad for him almost that he has to portray this Ezekiel warrior thing, but I thought Kevin Owens dragged a uh, pretty good match out of Ezekiel here. Nine minutes, 20 seconds, KO wins clean. Uh, the spot that I remember most in this match is Ezekiel is crotched on the top rope, took the, takes the classic turnbuckle to the nuts spot, and Kevin Owens super kicks him while he's sitting there on the turnbuckle. And when I say, Boris, super kicks him, <laughs> I mean, he super kicks him in the goddamn jaw. Yep, yep. It looked uh, looked pretty nasty, uh, and uh, yeah, this match was fine. This match was fine. You know what? I think you know. I know. I know where you're coming from with the Ezekiel character, and I'm like 99% agreeing with you. But I know that a lot of people are constantly talking about how this is growing on them. So you know, to each their yeah. own. Yeah, fair. Like as someone who is not watching every Raw. Uh, I don't get it and I don't like it, but, uh, but he is a talented guy. So I'm sure that is, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, three pack tears out of five for this one, 60%, slightly above average wrestling match. Pretty good wrestling match. Yep. All right. The next match was a six person mixed tag match. The judgment day, Rhea Ripley edge and Damian priest versus AJ styles, Finn Balor and Liv Morgan. Godfather of Sunday night's main event radio, the great Jason Agnew likes to say that a pessimist is rarely disappointed or something, something along those lines. Anyway, right. Anyway, so I had no expectations for this match and I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was quite good. I had high expectations for another match in the show and I was disappointed in that one. We'll talk about that in a sec, but this match was pretty good. What did you think about it? Yeah, I thought this match was fine. Uh, Liv Morgan, in my opinion, most improved wrestler so far in 2022. Ooh. Oh, that's a good shout. I need to watch more of her, but I can see it. She, she's definitely wildly improved. 
Yep. Rhea Ripley is finally in a position that she should be in. And Damian Priest is constantly being Damian Priest and Edge is being Edge. Um, you know, and, and this match was fine. I, I, I had lower expectations on this match. But it is still not the match that I had the lowest expectations for, which surprised me. But overall, this match I did enjoy. Uh, agreed. All six parties worked hard. They produced a good wrestling match. Three and a half pack tears, 70% for this one. This is the match coming up that honestly I had no expectations for. This was going to be my poop break match, yeah. uh, my beer break match, but... I was pleasantly surprised, and that's Happy Corbin versus Mad Cat Moss in a no-holds-barred match. Same. Also pleasantly surprised. I'd say about at the level of the previous match, but that was way better than I was expecting. Like, Mad Cat Moss with a kind of a star-making performance here. Like, he looked really good. He did. He really did look great. And the storytelling in this match, like, honestly, I know we went through this in the after party, but I got to repeat this on this show, and it's... Baron Corbin, Happy Corbin, whatever you want to call him, he is a fantastic storyteller. He understands the intangibles of part of wrestling. At one point, he, you know, because it's a no holds barred match, the Chicago hot, hot, white hot crowd is yelling, "We want tables!" He goes under the ring, touches a table, starts pulling it out, pushes it back in, and grabs a chair to just the biggest booze and heat a wrestler can get and he's laughing he's smiling he's loving every second of it the way he interacts with the front rows dude he knows what he's doing and he can draw heat maybe he's so good at drawing heat that's why a lot of people don't like him as a wrestler i do think he's like he's uh below average speed in the ring he doesn't do a lot of moves so i can see why people think he's a bad wrestler but i i wouldn't call him a bad like wrestler at all i i i think it's weird with baron corbin i think he's either wildly overrated or or wildly underrated yep. i don't think there's been a fair take on baron corbin in years you know what i mean yeah I know, like, even on the after party, we were praising him, but it's more, no, not praising. It was more defending. We were praising the, him. We, we were, were what, praising look, him. We were praising him, but it was because of just the sheer amount of hate that he gets, right? Like, That's it's fair. time That's that fair. he gets some recognition for the stuff he does well, and it's, like, drawing heat, you know, and we flat out said he's not the best wrestler. He's not a good wrestler, but... If you look at a sports entertainer and the total package, Lex Luger, of what that entails, he's got it. Yes. Yeah, he does. He, I mean, he's huge. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought this was a really good performance. Another three and a half pack dares for me out of this one. This was uh, probably my bronze medal match of the night. Yep. And then it's kind of funny because a lot of people had high hopes for this match. And I know that this match didn't live up to some people's expectations. And that is the U.S. title match theory versus mustafa ali yeah like they worked they worked well they worked hard but to me it just it just didn't quite uh you know get out of first gear as it were i thought it was pretty telling that they they didn't even announce theory from like from chicago illinois they said chicago's own <clears throat> excuse me uh theory or mustafa ali sorry which kind of told you they were about to beat him in his hometown for heel heat for theory was, which is exactly what happens. So I don't know. I think theory is like, uh, he's like better on paper than he actually is in the ring so far or something. He's still very, he's still very young. Right. So he has a lot of time to learn, but Mustafa Ali's the better wrestler. And I think the wrong guy won uh, a mediocre match. Yep. So how many peck tears would you give this bad boy? I'm going to go right on the line for this one too. Like I wouldn't call it bad, but I also wouldn't call it really particularly good. So two and a half, 
pack tears for this one on that Mendoza line. Yep. All right. And then this leads us into the main event, Cody Rhodes with us versus Seth Rhodes, which already was probably going to be the best match of the night. I do think that this match was going to was going to surprise a lot of people. I do think we were in the original plans going to see blood or color in this match. Um, but, you know, earlier in the day here on SNME radio on the flagship show it, uh, with Dave Meltzer it was and Mike McGuire, it was broken that. Cody was injured, and that's as far as we knew. It was later revealed that he had a pec injury, but no one knew how bad it was. Once the show started, they started talking about this injury. They said that it was a full pec tear, and that was about it, but the match was still going to go on. No one really saw anything. No one really heard anything. Then when the match started, or right before the match started, Cody comes out, takes off his jacket, and lo and behold, we see how bad the tear actually was. And it was disgusting. It was black and purple and green and every color of the rainbow, Boris. And it looked, at first glance, to me, and especially because there was no bruising on the underarm, there was only bruising on the like on the, the chest and like the arm that you could see. But if he lifted up his arm, there was no bruising at all. So I thought at first glance it was fake. Now see, that was funny. dumb, and it's I was funny. wrong. Hold on. It's funny. I'll let you apologize after again. But it's funny <laughs> that you say that because I swear that as the match went on, there was bruising because I noticed that on the underarm. But as the match went on, I swear that the bruise got worse and there was bruising on the underarm by the end of the match. Like, I swear right. that as yeah. the match went on, you know, the because the, the bruising is essentially the bleeding from the tear, right? So oh, yeah. if he has an active tear, it's going to continue bleeding. So I, I swear that that's what we started seeing by the end of the match because it just looked absolutely nasty. And in fact, there's an awesome YouTube video out there from a doctor, from a sports yes. doctor, who kind of explains exactly why and what we were seeing and how bad this 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 injury actually was you know a lot of people and there's a lot of debate should Cody Rhodes had been allowed to wrestle you know a lot of people are on the camp of no that if this was MMA or boxing there was no way in hell that he would have gone Cody Rhodes made it very clear that it was his choice to go out we know Cody Rhodes has a a a to a fault, a commitment to professional wrestling and appeasing the fans. And Matt, I'm going to be the first one to say, I respect the holy hell out of Cody Rhodes right now for doing this. This is something that he didn't need to do. This is something that I wish. And as the match started, I'm like, dude, just just, just lay down. Just, just end the match, please. Don't go out. Can someone wrestle for you? The fact that he went out there, I have like the ultimate respect for Cody Rhodes. Um... And he made it clear that it was his choice. But one note that I wanted to bring up is the fact that because it is a pec tear, and the way that the pec tears work is once it's ripped and fully ripped and off the bone, that's it. It's not going to get worse. I'm sure that there is a possibility of you injuring something else because you're compensating, right? Because you're compensating yeah. because of that injury, so you're going to injure something else. Now, having said that, the pec tear itself isn't going to get worse because it's done so that is the only reason why people let him go out there again i know this can be widely debated go out watch that youtube video we will even link to it on the show notes uh, but uh, that's a great explanation as to what cody was going through and matt what do you think should cody have been allowed to go out 
Oh, well, that's a tough one. Like, if it's his choice and uh, he wasn't forced to do it, it's clearly made a mark and undeniably it's going to help his career once he comes back to the ring. It's going to, he wants to be a baby face so bad. He's literally setting himself on fire, man. Like this, this guy wanted, this yeah. guy is, this is, this is what he's wanted. Essentially. Yeah. This is yep. like a gift for him. This reminds me of when Triple H tore his quad. Um, and remember that raw in January of 2002 when he came back and he was like just exactly. the whitest hot baby face ever that reception that he got in january of 2002 when he came back that was just one of the craziest comebacks ever and i think that's going to rival when cody comes back whenever that is might be at the royal rumble might be sooner might be at a raw like you said like they did with triple h before the royal rumble a week or two before to uh set up that he would be in the royal rumble 2002 which he would later win um so yeah, man. So should he have wrestled? No, it's it's fake. It's a fake sport. It's not the Super Bowl. But people, I think uh, Eric Weddle played in this most recent Super Bowl with this exact injury. Yep. I'm pretty sure Eric Weddle played the Super Bowl with a torn pack. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the thing is, I'm right. So <laughs> don't correct me. Um, but there's there's other examples of people playing specifically football with torn packs all the time um so hey i i don't know it, it's clearly clearly good for his career that he did this he is going to have a better career because of it so maybe he should have went out there man like i don't know who am i to tell cody rhodes no at the same time i, I do think it's worth saying three things one like you said he could have hurt himself greater uh by overcompensating if nothing else two he could have hurt seth it's mm -hmm. still professional wrestling. You're still working with an opponent in there. I'm sure they didn't do anything particularly risky. Uh, did they? They were. He wasn't gonna give Seth a vertical suplex off the top rope or something, right? But at the same time, he could have hurt Seth. Period. And three, more than anything, too, this kind of encourages this behavior. The next guy who has a terrible injury is gonna want to go do this so he can get the hero's reception like Cody Rhodes. And we're kind of going backwards a little bit with this one, you know? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Because what's to say that someone doesn't try? Well, here's the thing. No, the WWE doctors aren't going to allow someone with a concussion to go up. But the pr weird precedence has now been set. Yeah, man. And yeah, I don't even think it's WWE we have to worry about. It's that guy at the GCW yeah. show. It's that guy at a low-level indie who wants to be a star for a night. Or anyway, man, I think it's a slippery slope. But on this night, a brilliant, compelling performance. And one that I didn't give enough credit to at the time because I could not believe what I was seeing. I refused to believe it. And I was being stubborn. And I was just saying wrestling is fake. I don't trust Vince McMahon. They've told me so many lies that as soon as they tell me that it's torn completely off the bone, I no longer believe it. Even if they show me with my own two eyes, I refuse to believe it. But it's true, man. Cody Rhodes worked that match with a fucking torn peck and he is one of the toughest human beings in wrestling and he deserves our respect. So this was... For that reason alone, for the theater that we saw, this was an all-time classic match, and it's at least at least four and a half peck tears out of five, possibly five peck tears out of five. I do need to rewatch this one. I really do. Right. So, you know, this is the day, the morning after, the night before type of uh, recap, and when we do our star ratings or our, our, our rating de jours, um, 
Last night at the after party, you were calling uh, the triple threat women's match the match of the night. Is it now yes. Cody versus Seth for you? Yes. Yes, it is. I think pure and simple, the fact that he worked this match with the Tarpec raised it to legendary status. And it just really didn't quite sink in exactly what he had done last night. You know what I mean? But like having slept on it, having seen the reaction, having known that it's completely, absolutely real. There's no choice but to but to respect it. Like, look at the reaction. They were just talking about this match on Tim and Sid. They weren't talking about Bianca and Oscar and Becky, man. You know? Yep, exactly. Exactly. There we go. So that is the Hell in a Cell recap from your young guns, Boris and Matt. All right, dude. I think we're going to touch on some impact because we are on the road to Slammiversary. Matt, I'm really looking forward to Slammiversary. And I think, I think we're going to have a podcast solely for Slammiversary. Nice. Yeah. So I have a prior engagement on that day. It's a sports themed roast. Boris, if you're in the city of Toronto, go check, check out trash talk at comedy bar Sunday, June 19th. I'm going to be performing my first stand up set since the pandemic. Very excited. Anyway, I am certainly excited for Slammiversary that night too. So I'm going to watch Slammiversary, uh, possibly in the morning, uh, Monday, we'll record a podcast. I'm not sure if I'll be on it. If you want to race one out without me, that's fine but I would love to be on it if uh, we can organize that because I'm going to watch the show and I'm excited for it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out timing and all that because it would be cool for it to be you. Um, you know, I'm going to try to talk to our friend from Slam, Bob Kapoor, see if he wants to nice. jump on and chat some Slam some Slammiverse because, you know, not only is it a huge pay-per-view of the summer for TNA Impact, but it is also the 20th anniversary of TNA, Total Nonstop Action crazy 20 years it survived i wasn't sure it was going to make it 20 weeks after the first couple shows i'm still not sure it should have made it yeah. past 20 weeks but here we are buddy exactly here we are all right let's chat some impact because we are on the road to slammiversary so the first match of the show was essentially you know we're getting a different combination of women who are going to appear on the queen of the mountain match this week we saw savannah evans with tasha Steeles versus mia yim this match was pretty good mia yim wins uh you know again setting up the queen of the mountain match and I think they're doing a fantastic job doing that. Um, here's a fun one. We got a clip where Shark Boy confronted Eddie Edwards uh, about oh. attacking longtime TNA veterans Chris Saban and Frankie Kazarian. Shark Boy suggested Eddie should show some respect to the company's day oneers and the company itself. Eddie was hearing none of that and slammed Shark Boy against the wall before he could do anything. Wildcat Chris Harris walked in and said that Eddie should respect Impact and not associate with the Honor No More faction who has no respect for Impact or what it stands for. Eddie let go of Shark Boy and left, but said that at Slammiversary, Honor No More No More would end Impact's legacy. Man, that's that's pretty cool. I love some Shark Boy, some Stone Cold Shark Boy and uh, Wildcat. Exciting yep. as well, no doubt. Yeah, essentially, we're going to get Team Impact versus Team Honor No More or Honor No More, former Team ROH at uh, Slammiversary. Uh, here's a, nun, a fun little match. It was Kenny King versus Blake Christian. Oh, interesting. Blake Christian's been tearing it up on the indies this year. He's he's a shout for most improved wrestler of 2022. Blake Christian, actually, is my pick. Yeah, um, I think this match was fantastic. If there's a match that you're going to check out from Impact, it should be this one. Kenny King ends up winning this match. Boo. 
Boo, yeah. Kenny King, boo. No, Kenny King is fine. But uh, it would have been nice to see Blake Christian win. I'm, I'm just going through a set of results here, and I see it was a match for the, for the Ultimate X. It was yep. it was a first spot in the Ultimate X match at Slammiversary. So, man, it would have been awesome to see Blake Christian squeak in there. Yep, so here's where we're at with the Ultimate X match. We have uh, Kenny King. We have Ace Austin. We have Speedball Mike Bailey. We have Trey yes. Miguel. We have Jack Evans from All Elite Wrestling in this match. And we have one more wrestler to be announced. Interesting. Jack Evans, formerly All Elite Jack Evans. It'll be cool to see how motivated he is, see him in a different, uh, in a different team's uniform, you know? Yep. All right, here's a fun little, I guess, one of the last appearances for, for this guy. Uh, w. Morrissey gets thanked by Bubinter Gujar uh, for teaming up with him last week. Morrissey gave Gujar some advice, saying there's nothing wrong with having someone watch your back. Gujar offered his help to Morrissey if he needed it later, uh, but Morrissey pointed to PCO, his tag team partner, for the match later tonight. Huh. So yeah, W. Morrissey no longer of Impact Wrestling. But how how uh, is this? Was this his last appearance? I'm not sure how many they recorded when they recorded. True. So it could True. be, might not be. But he won't be at Slammiversary. That I know that much. Fair enough. Yep. All right. We had Rich Swan versus Matthew Raywold. Oh, interesting. Out of the commentary booth and into the ring for the former Aiden English. Yep, Rich Swan won this one. It was short, but it was fun. You don't need to really check much out. It was, it was good, but it was just like too short even for TV, right? It was one of the, uh, unfortunately, ya. it was one of those. Feel yeah, but hey, Rich Swan's fun. Yep. Uh, we got a good brothers, Briscoe Brothers confrontation building up their match at Slammiversary. Then we got Heath and Rhino versus Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. It was a type of match that you would expect from these four. Matt Taven and Mike Bennett ended, ended up winning. Uh, then we got Moose and Steve Macklin versus W. Morrissey and PCO. Steve Macklin and Moose end up winning this match. Um, you know, so it wasn't the best match. PCO is PCO. Um, you know, they they need to use him more sparingly. I think they use him too often. Yeah, he's yeah. The the French Canadian Frankenstein should not necessarily be wrestling every week. I I agree with you there. Yeah. What a motley crew! NFL player and forgotten son versus Big Cass and a Quebecer. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Exactly. This match was probably the second best show of the match behind uh, uh, the huh. King Christian match just because it was four big guys just wanting to kick each other's ass. I'm okay with that. Big meaty men slapping meat. Shout out Big E Langston. Yep, exactly, exactly. So that was Impact as we lead into Slammiversary. All right, dude, let us end the show with some New Japan Pro Wrestling. But before oh, that, I think we should chat... Um, some news about New Japan Pro Wrestling because a few weeks ago we were talking about the Kota Ibushi situation. Uh, there has been a resolution in th with this situation. New Japan Pro Wrestling has announced a three-month pay reduction for Kota Ibushi, uh, the company president Takami Obari, and company official uh, Yuichi Kikuchi, uh, stemming from issues between Ibushi and company management. In a statement from New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, they said that uh, all parties would receive a 10% reduction in pay 
uh, from July 2022 through September 2022. Kikuchi, who was always known as the NJPW official, um, apparently he's going to, he was head booker. Uh, he was head booker Gato's primary assistant. That was his official role. Remember how we, we were trying to figure out what who this guy was? Now we know where he stood, and apparently he's going to be moved within the company, uh, giving essentially giving up his spot. Um, but uh, yeah, Ibushi essentially is getting the pay reduction for kind of talking shit about New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is a big no-no in Japanese culture. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and again, we are not Japanese. I don't know Japanese culture, but I have read that firing people isn't something that usually happens a lot in Japan. But this, like, repositioning uh, of this guy is basically all but firing him. And it is, like, it is, you know, it's, like, not good. It's, like, shameful in in, in, a, in a way in Japan. So, like, uh, yeah, apparently he is he's uh, been repositioned and it might be it's all but the end of his career, it seems uh, with with New Japan. Uh, yeah. Man. Yeah. So I don't know. It, I, I feel like something had to happen. It's just a reminder of how serious they take these things over there. But uh, hopefully it's not the end of Kota Ibushi as a New Japan wrestler. And hopefully this is some kind of a resolution. And now they can work together again and kind of heal this relationship. Exactly. Kota Ibushi's been away since last year's G1. Uh, so uh, I also hope that, you know, now that there's been a resolution on the professional side, we can kind of open up the gates and, and have some personal conversations. And Kota Ibushi can take the time to heal and come back when he's ready and when everything has kind of been, been smoothed over between him and New Japan management. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, let's get him let's get him healthy and then let's get him back in the ring cuz Kota Ibushi is amazing and we want to see him uh, perform. Yep. All right. So, let's wrap up our chat by chatting some best of the juniors. We have two you're not, nights to sorry? You're not getting we got a couple things to talk about. You're not oh, yeah. getting away without my AEW talk you here. You're I'm not get getting away. <laughs> Hey, no, no, we could. We're, we're, uh, no, no, no. We're closing the show with the AEW thing. So I guess we're talking some best of the Super Juniors and New Japan news right now. So New Japan and Stardom have announced that they are putting on a joint show. This is extremely exciting for uh, us nerds who wanted to see Stardom represented at the Forbidden Door show, Boris. New Japan and Stardom joint show this November. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I like that. Uh, do you think this is going to lead to more crossovers or, you know, are we going to completely see these two companies positioned as two separate companies? I think there will be more crossovers. If they do one and it's successful, why would they not do more, right? I think they should do more crossovers. I don't think we're ever going to see a fully merged company. You know no. what I mean? No. But like a, a crossover show or two or three a year, I think is a is a grand old idea. Yeah, I think so too. Look, there's I know there's a lot of people on this side of the fence, this side of the world, who want the women in WWE to have their own show, right? So... Maybe this can convince someone and see, make some, you know, see someone that hey, this formula kind of works. Yeah, maybe. Let's. Uh, they've done them before, but uh, yeah, man, maybe. Um, I'm excited for the show, though. I hope it's really good. I hope they put on a good performance. Yep. 
All right, so Best, Best of the, of the Super, Super Juniors, Juniors, night 12, yes, night 13, two nights to get through. Uh, again, I'm going to go through these the way I have been. Um, well, at least night 12, night 13, I'll kind of go in a little more detail because it was the finals. It was last night, and I'll kind of give you my, my, my thoughts on the overall Best of the Super Juniors. So night 12, the match of the night, hands down, was the main event. Hiromu Takahashi beating Taiji Ishimori to win the A block in 22 minutes, 30 seconds. Desperado was at ringside to see who he was going to face, and this match had it all. If Again, this match, Matt, write it down. This match is for sure one that you need to check out. Nice. Desperado versus, or no, sorry, not Desperado, Ishimori versus Hiromu. Yep. Uh, Desperado Fantasmo was the second best of the show with TJP versus Yuta being the third best. Oh, TJP versus Yuta. Interesting. That's yeah. a match I didn't know I wanted to see until you just said those words. Yeah, it's right. It's, it's combinations that you never ever would have thought. All right, and this leads us to the show night 13 the finals last friday june 3rd i'm gonna run down the card i'll quickly go through the matches but i'll focus on the main event so the first match was uh tomoaki honma versus ryuhi oiwa uh juice robinson was supposed to be in this match but he couldn't get out there this match only lasted four minutes 35 seconds uh the second match of the night l lindeman alex zane wheeler yuda and ace austin versus clark connors robbie eagles titan and yo teton who won the uh who won the first match uh hanma yeah okay i thought so especially because it went four minutes who who won this crazy tag match please tell me it was yo uh it was no it wasn't it was lindeman zane yuda austin all right this match Eight-man tag, you know, eight uh, Super Juniors. This match only lasted six minutes, 42 seconds. No rocking through. Well, they had to rock through the undercard, as we'll talk about once they hit the main event of this show. Exactly. The next match was uh, Frank, Frank Akira and TJP versus Master Wato and Ryusuke Taguchi. Uh, this match only went six minutes, 50 seconds. Akira and TJP won this. Uh, this was pretty good. United Empire looked pretty good in this match. Uh, Wato also looked pretty good in this match. Uh, this was a fun little match, but again, pretty short. The next match was Zack Sabre Jr. and Kenamaru uh, versus Show and Evil. They uh, Show and Evil lose, so Sabre Jr. Nice. and uh, Kenamaru win in five minutes, ten seconds. Not much to really say about this match. The next match, El Fantasmo, Chase Owens, and Bad Luck Folly versus Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hinari, and Great Ocon. This match only went 8 minutes, 17 seconds. All right, this is it. So, Ace Austin appears at ringside. He climbs on the apron. He distracts Hinari. Fantasmo then gets the opportunity to hit a super kick. Then his modified styles clash on Hinari for the pin. And this is when Ace Austin pulls out a playing card to show that he is the newest member of the Bullet Club. Ace Austin to the Bullet Club. Interesting. That's uh, that's pretty good for his career, man. I think that's, yeah. that's you know, it doesn't hurt to be included with the Bullet Club. Yep, exactly. And I'm, I'm curious and I'm pretty sure it will, but how this is going to reflect in the Impact storylines. Yes, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. I and mean, that's it. It will be uh it will be cool to see. Impact yep. stays stays intriguing. 
Yep. All right. Sonata hits the ring, challenges Juice Robinson for a title shot. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going to be happening just because we don't know when Juice Robinson is going to come back because he just had his appendix removed. Is that what happened to Juice? Yep. Oh, okay. The appendix removed. Okay. It's not a that major makes... one, but it's, you but know, it's, it's you know, still. It's a surgery. It's a week or two or a month or so, right? Yep. All right, LIJ, Shingo Takaki, Bushi, and Tetsuya Naito defeated Taichi, Takamichinoku, and Doki in 9 minutes 30 seconds. Again, pretty quick match. Not much to it. Uh, the next match was because uh, before the next match, actually, Jay White got on the mic and said that Bullet Club is back in Japan. He brought out Kenta out from the back. Kenta has been out of action in from New Japan since January. Uh, so he joined Sonata. Um, and, 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 and others and kind of coming back for uh, Dominion, which is later this month. So Dominion is going to be a strong show with a lot of people back. Jay White back in Japan. Jay White actually facing Okada at Dominion. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to that. The main event of Dominion and also Boris at Dominion is the AEW Eliminator Tournament, which we'll talk about in the main event of this podcast. But the main event of this show Best of the Super Juniors. Oh, there's still one more match before that. We had Okada, <laughs> Yano, Jado. That was almost such a good segue. Yeah, well, you screwed that up. All right, <laughs> Okada, Toru Yano, Jado, and Tamatonga. They beat Bullet Club, Jay White, Ishimori, Doc Gallows, and Gato in 8 minutes, 31 seconds. All right, all of that was the undercard, and it built up to the finals of the Best of the Super Juniors. This match went 31 minutes. Oh. Hiromu Takahashi defeats El Desperado to win the best of the Super Juniors. Dude, 100%. Watch this match. This is at least four and a half stars. Oh, shit. I'll definitely check it out, man. 30 minutes. So here's my questions to you. Um, did the wrong guy win? We we both picked Hiromu, but was this Desperado's time, Boris? Here's, yes. We've been saying this, right? New Japan plays it safe more often than not. And mm -hmm. I honestly thought that Hiromu would have been had been gotten the, the push to the main uh, main event, uh, the heavyweight roster, the heavyweight what, uh, division. So to me, it's kind of a step back for him to still be winning the best of the Super Juniors. I thought and really did think that uh, Desperado, like for the past, what, 12, 16 months, New Japan podcasts and everyone they've really been building up desperado like new japan has done an excellent job of telling stories about desperado really pushing desperado and making him kind of the the, the centerpiece of the of the uh, the junior division so for me it's really weird that they're just taking the safe pick with hiromu but this is the issue with new japan yeah that is it is an issue at the same time we both knew hiromu was gonna win we both selected it i think there's logic in in saying that Hiromu is the best choice, but if you, it was now or never for uh, for young Despy, I feel like in this setting, like if he wasn't gonna win this one at this stage in the game, I don't think he'll ever win one. And it was a chance to push somebody else. Like Hiromu had already beaten current champion Taiji Ishimori. Maybe he didn't need this one. You know, maybe he just didn't need this one too. 
Yeah, I don't think he did. I think this was the perfect time to like, you know, start thinking of who's next, of right. Bill Goldberg this one, and, and honestly thinking of like who who's going to lead the division in the future. The best way to do that is giving them these these titles, like giving them the best of the Super Juniors, giving them the G1. You know, they don't necessarily have to win after, but giving them these wins is huge. So I don't know. I just really hope that New Japan starts thinking of the future because, like, I don't know. I, I always bring this up, and I know that Okada is one of the best, sometimes under even underrated wrestler. But yes, yes, we need to start thinking of who's next. Absolutely. But the thing about this particular one is Desperado is probably not next because he's what, 35, 37. He's older. He's sneaky old. I, I we love Desperado. I think he's a really good wrestler. But that was my point. Like you, yeah. you had to do it now if you wanted to do it with this guy. Yeah. So who's next might be Wheeler Yuta. It might be uh, Francisco Akira, someone like that. Right. But they could have done a little more for those guys. Yeah, I agree Lindemann with that. Or so, someone like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Exactly. So so just to just to hammer the point home, Boris, the way we rate matches here, four stars is great. Five stars is like perfect, one of the best you've ever seen. Four and a half is all time classic. You're yeah. saying this is an all time classic would, junior heavyweight match. I would say match. this is four to four to quarter. I wouldn't put this okay. at four and a half. Yeah, thinking about it over. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's good though. It's still a great match. Still something definitely worth checking out. And we'll see if it makes the list. And I can't wait to see it, man. Dope. Yeah. So here's the best of the Super Juniors kind of recap. Overall, fantastic tournament. Love the fact that the shows were kept short. The final night was just over three hours. I can do that for one night, but not like, mm -hmm. you know, 13 nights. So I, I really appreciate the fact that a lot of the undercard was kept short. The best of the Super Junior bracket matches were, were even they were relatively short. Main events went about 20 minutes for the most part. Uh, you know, one thing that I do want to give credit to is New Japan, New Japan staff, because there was not one match canceled because of COVID. Not one wrestler got COVID throughout this entire time. So that's kudos to everyone uh, for keeping this COVID free because, um, you know, it's still out there. It's still wrecking shows. It's still wrecking New Japan. So I'm really happy that uh, everyone was safe. Everyone seemed to have a good tournament. And I really do appreciate the fact that people like Ace Austin, Wheeler, Yuda had a pretty good showing at the end of the day because it can only not only improve the wrestlers, the promotions where they're coming from, but it improves New Japan Pro Wrestling at the end of the day. Now, I Absolutely. do want to give, I do want to give extra kudos to Jeff Cobb. Listen to the schedule he's had uh, ten days prior to Friday's show. He was in Las Vegas for AEW the previous Wednesday. He was in New York for House of Glory uh, the previous Friday. He was in St. Louis that Saturday for Warrior Wrestling. He was in Portland for Prestige Wrestling on that Saturday. And now uh, he was in Japan on Friday for this show. Wow, so yeah, just jet setting all over the world. That's crazy. Yep. Putting in that work, Jeff Cobb, goddamn. Yep, so my takeaways at the end of all of this is hopefully the G1 can get, you know, get copy this a little bit, focus on the brackets, who cares about the undercard, make the matches worth something, don't tire your audience out, and let's get some noise back in Japan. Ah, first and foremost and most importantly, I, I, isn't that happening soon in some lower promotions? Yep. It is amazing. Amazing. Can't wait to see it. All right, buddy. Uh, definitely. Thank you for your match recommendations. 
Thank you so much for covering the best of the Super Juniors. I think we're going to split the G1. We're each going to take a block, and we're going to watch every single G1 match and bring it to you here on BAM Weekly. So thank you very much, buddy, for doing that. We appreciate it. Good-ass job. So we have to we have to cl- close main event, talk about this AEW world title situation. So the multi-stage title eliminator. Basically, there's a battle royal that opens up Dynamite this Wednesday, June 8th. From the Cable Dahmer Arena in Independence, Missouri, Boris. That same night, the main event of Dynamite will be the Battle Royal winner versus John Moxley. Battle Royal winner versus John Moxley will face the winner of Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Hiroki Goto, so Tanahashi, at New Japan Dominion. And the winner of those two matches, John Moxley versus Battle Royal Man, Tanahashi versus Goto, they will wrestle at Forbidden Door. June 26th, the winner of that is interim, interim AEW world champion. So it's Moxley versus Tanahashi. Yeah, so it's Moxley versus Tanahashi. I think everyone can see that coming a mile away. Yeah, I think This has been a match that they've been building, like I said, on the Rampage Ramble. They've been building this matchup for a year and a half. Yes, and I, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It, it, I'm not even saying it's the wrong decision. I'm not saying it's a poor decision. Um, and our good friend, Paul York, Yorkie, actually, I was just talking to him before we went on and he was saying, he thinks the twist on this is going to be that Tanahashi is going to win the AEW title and he is going to hold it for a couple months. And Tanahashi is going to challenge CM Punk at all out, not John Moxley. Right. That's interesting. Well, here's the thing. Is Tanahashi going to be in the G1? If so, there's no way in hell. Then what, you know. Here, if Tanahashi wins, and I'm not saying this is a bad idea, good idea, it's just it's a confusing idea for me right now. If Tanahashi is your interim AEW champion, that means he's not going to appear in the G1, which means that he's going to appear here. If he does end up winning the interim AEW championship and he does go to Japan, that means we're going to be without a AEW champion regardless. So, yeah. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's a really good point, man. Um the well the yeah so the g the g1 climax this year is what it's late july to mid august right yep. so yeah so G- tanahashi tanahashi would probably exactly be missing the entire build-up you don't want that you really don't want that so and hmm, maybe tanahashi t- won't and that's the thing is tanahashi gonna want to miss the g1 knowing that he only has a few more where he can realistically make an impact Absolutely. But maybe, maybe they've negotiated. Maybe he's okay with missing one for a world championship overseas. He's not coming to be Okato in TNA. You know what I mean? He's getting pushed uh, in America on television. Who knows? Who knows? We, I, I, I'm not saying it'll happen. I just thought that was an interesting yeah. idea here. I, I want to, uh, an impassioned plea. I doubt Tony Khan will ever hear this. Maybe somebody could, for the love of God, show this man, my impassioned plea, Tony, please take a chance. Please take a risk. Bill Watts would have used this opportunity to create a new star. He would have done Ron Simmons, Vader. He would have done something. Paul Heyman would have used this opportunity to create a new star. He would have given us a Rhino. He would have given us a Mike Awesome. He would have given us, God forbid, a Just Incredible something. Take this chance to create a new star. Don't just do the safe thing. And I fucking love John Moxley. John Moxley versus Punk is fine. It's fine, but it's just fine. It's what everyone sees coming. 
everyone knows you're going to do it. Take a chance. Here's what I want to see. And I'm not saying if you don't do my idea, that it's bad, right? Like this is just one idea of many. It could be Jungle Boy. It could be Ricky Starks. It could be Swerve Scott, Keith Lee. It could be Darby Allen. It could be so many people. It would be better than Moxley versus Tanahashi. But my thought is Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston wins the Battle Royal. Eddie Kingston beats John Moxley, adds some little seeds of, you know, doubt in their relationship. But at the end of the day, they hug it out. They're brothers. Eddie Kingston is going to Forbidden Door. Eddie Kingston beats Tanahashi. Eddie Kingston wins the big one. But, Boris, that interim tag is still there. And that's perfect for Eddie Kingston's character. It's so perfect. The idea of an interim world title in a scripted television show in a fake sport is fucking dumb. Unless unless you do something with it. Unless you use it as a storytelling device. And it would be so perfect for the most disgraced wrestler in professional wrestling, Eddie Kingston. Please, please, please put this belt on Eddie. I'm done. I could not have said it any better. I agree with you. I'm going to say it a thousand percent. Yeah, Boris. woo We did it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Tony Khan, listen to me. You put that belt on Eddie Kingston or I'm going to get my man Brian Cage. Sorry, I went into Taz mode there for a yeah, second. I, I apologize. No, I love it. No, but it's true. hundred percent. Like you, 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 you hit the nail on the head and there's honestly nothing that I can add to that. And with that, we have reached the end of the show, the end of BAM for BAM Weekly this week. This week is going to be a little week, a little different week if you're coming from SNME because this might be the only time you hear my voice until next week's BAM. Vacation Boris. It could be an NXT talk with a very special guest this week. I'll still be on the show. Boris, enjoy the West Coast. Say hi to your family. Say hi to the sunshine. And thank you very much for covering the best of the Super Juniors. Thank you. 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 And you're welcome. Thank you for listening, everyone. Honestly, it means so much. And I know that people are listening because the RSS feed is back. Woohoo. Woohoo. <sighs> what a day, man. All right. That's the end of the show. Just remember, there's so much wrestling. There's so much sports. Let's talk about it all. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Everyone, stay tranquilo. Uh, uh, uh.